Wow. Well, it is a big deal. Five years. And um, man, it's, I'm really excited. I, I wasn't going to, I was going to kind of bypass it. I'm going to share you in, in just a few minutes. Uh, I was just kind of going, oh, yeah, I'll just kind of mention it, but uh, really felt the Lord reprimand me a little bit and say, you need to, you need to celebrate. Um, as you hear the story, you'll recognize why celebrate, celebrating is so important because it's been a rough and amazing five years. <laughs> and um, so, well, so glad you guys are here. Did you guys enjoy Sunday school this morning? Yeah? Oh, come on. We can do better than that. Come on. I still have a goal to get 100% of you guys to go. So I don't know what we're going to do. Start handing out prizes for everybody who comes. But, uh, hey, it is not too late. In fact, every week we, uh, on a couple of the classes, every week um, we have a, a... Something where you, a link where you can go back and listen to the class if you missed it. So even if you have not come, you're like, eh, it's an hour early to come to church. And one, one of somebody stopped me this morning and says, everybody in this entire church needs to go through this class right now. I mean, and that's every one of them. And I'm telling you, I, I just don't know how to push it anymore, but I'm just, just, it's really powerful stuff. So. And what I was so excited for, everybody was walking in this morning. Did you feel the cool air? Oh, my goodness. It's like, ah. And there's a few people that I know that have just moved here recently, and they were saying, is this like what it's supposed to be like? Yes. This is, it's like, does this actually, you know. So I'm really excited for fall. And, um, but today's important day. Celebrate five years as a church. Um. We just want to celebrate this faithfulness. Some of you were here at five years. Some of you are brand new, and you can hear the faithfulness of God in today. So I think everybody's going to get something out of it. Uh, a few weeks ago, I met with some friends of ours. They're, they're consulting uh, us here at the church, and we were talking about, yeah, we're coming up on five years, and we were like, yeah, I'm not going to really. Uh, and they've been with us for two or three of the years I said, yeah, I wasn't going to do much. And they were like, oh, my goodness, where you guys have come from, you've got to celebrate. You make it a big deal. So I felt like, and then the staff was like, yeah, why aren't we celebrating? So, so we're going to celebrate. You know, 80% of church plants don't make it past the five-year mark. You know that. And um, so here we are today sharing all that God's brought us through. I'm going to read a lot, so don't. that's not my normal way of teaching, but I just have so much information that if, if I don't read it, I won't say it correctly. So, But um, we ha- haven't been celebrating year after year because our story is kind of unusual. It's a little bit uh, unique in the circumstances. And so, But on September 10th, 2017, we launched as a new church here in Lucas. That's it right there. Um, Part of this is the reason we haven't been celebrating a lot is because that was five years ago, but the reality is our church is actually 117 years old. Uh, it was started by Forest Grove. There, there's part of it right there. Uh, it was started in Forest Grove up the road in 1905, and they thought this is, this is horse and buggy days, and there was a community here in Lucas, and they thought there's no way that people are going to 
you know, walk or ride their horse two miles for church every morning. <laughs> so they said, let's build a community right here in Lucas. And so that's what happened. And there have been four pastors at this church in that 117 years, believe it or not. Uh, Bob Bethke, Luke Crane, Ken Morris, and myself. And uh, yeah, and there wasn't a pastor for quite a while of the time, actually, for the very beginning. There was just elders, and they would have people, different people speak. And so it was called Lucas Christian Church for most of its life. The denomination that they were part of, the Disciples of Christ, went woke before that was a term. <laughs> and so the leadership here pulled out of that denomination and uh, renamed the church Faith Fellowship, became a non-denominational church in like uh, 2006. Is that right, Don? Is that, was it 2006? Faith Fellowship? Oh, you don't have your paper. I, I couldn't find it, and I was, I'm just going off... So out of this church in the 117 years, but recently in the, in the last 20 years, there's LCA, Lucas Christian Academy, was birthed out of this church about 20-something years ago. And New Hope Wiley was birthed out of this church about 22 years ago. These two ministries thrived and have grown. Meanwhile, since the early 2000s, Faith Fellowship, the church here, declined. And the glory days were over. And in fact, in 2015, the elders brought in Ken and Jeannie Morris. They were close friends of mine, mentor, mentors of mine. They were missionaries to Scotland for about 10, 12 years. Uh, we took me at, when, at the church we were at, we took several trips over there to visit him. He became a mentor. And they came in, in 2015, but the church still continued to decline, did not see any growth was under all kinds of financial strain. And by 2016 on Sunday, there might have been 25 to 30 people attending the church. That was on a Sunday morning. Ken felt the church needed a significant re reboot. And he felt the only way this was going to be able to happen or work is if everything changed. It was kind of like a tired restaurant that needed new management and a facelift. He felt like there's something going on here and I'm just going to, this is our last ditch effort in the church world, we call this the term church revitalization, where churches will come into a church that's dead or dying and revitalize it. So Ken and Jeannie did the hard thing. They shut it down, all down, in early 2017. Okay, this is five and a half years ago. Nine months they went without a service. Uh, that, was where, that was who was meeting right there. It ended up being about 15 people meeting on a Sunday morning in the fireside room. Um, new name, new bylaws, new leadership, new everything. Like I said, just a small group met in the fireside room and was praying and saying, seeking God, saying, Lord, what do we want to do? What's, what's next? Once again, I just, this isn't long history ago. This was five years ago. Five years ago. You turn around and you look around and see the life that's happened. This was five years ago. Church didn't have a lot of funds uh, to keep the property up over the last 15 years. And so things just began to to uh, deteriorate. And so what Ken did over these nine months was really, he had a, a construction background, and so it was incredible what he was able to accomplish, single, him and Jeannie, single-handedly, by themselves, um, and then with the help of so many amazing people in this 15 or 20-member congregation. <laughs> they tore down the original church that was here. It was uh, full of mold, black mold. It was on stumps as the foundation. I've asked before, did we have to tear it down? They said, oh, Jeff, you didn't want to even be in there. It was so bad. 
They tore down the original church, and they got rid of multiple, that was inside of it, multiple deplete, uh, dilapidated buildings, trash around the property. Uh, they raised money for a new parking lot, flooring, painting. I'll let her go through some of these pictures that was happening uh, five years ago. Painting the kids' building, remodeling the kids' building. Keep going there, Lynette. Yeah, they were doing everything. This was the original... Um, about 20 people doing all this work. There's, there's Santa. Man, he, his hair's gotten long since then. You know? Look at that. Look at that. I'm like, Gary, I forgot that that was you in there, you know? <laughs> doing, I mean, just, eh, that's Ken out there. Just, those are the things in the kids' building. Let's keep going. Whatever you have there. Yeah, painting. Just a group of volunteers. Oh, there's Claudia and Kimberly. Is that it? And so um, Sarah and I joined in May of 2017. And that was, that was me and Ken right there. In 2017, halfway through the shutdown, we joined and we began to help renovate, help with sound, lighting, video, signage, decor, painting, etc. Earlier that year, in 2017, I've shared this story. You guys with me here? Is this, is this interesting? Okay. I, yeah, what else are you going to say? Uh, <laughs> 2017, I've shared this story many times before, but for those who are new, I'll share a condensed version. Sarah and I were living in Tucson, Arizona. Pastor Zane was here with us a couple weeks ago. We were serving in his ministry, huge, huge ministry there. I was the worship leader. Uh, I'd been leading worship for 20 years of, of ministry. And the Lord spoke to me that uh, year before 2000, 2017 that your season, Jeff, as a worship leader is coming to a close. I was in a time of prayer and fasting, and I heard this clearly because I was questioning, Lord, I was in that, you know, um, having that, that midlife crisis, and I was like, what am I supposed to do with my life? And uh, so the Lord spoke. He says, I want, I, I, I was, it was clueless of what I was supposed to do. I, I, I know it was going to look totally different, but he just said, your season as a full-time worship leader is coming to close. So Ken called me, and he said, hey, would you like to come out here and see if we can resurrect a church from the dead? I can't pay you anything, <laughs> but I can give you a place to stay, is what he said. And so it took a long time for me to make that decision. Um, but let me backtrack, because in 2016, I came out to this church. I was visiting, my family's from Dallas, and I was visiting here in uh, I don't remember what the circumstances, Sarah didn't even remember why I came out here, but it was one, it was a Tuesday night, there was a prayer meeting happened, I said, hey, Ken, let me come out and say hi. I wasn't planning on anything, never thought in a million years that I'm moving to Lucas, but I sat in the corner back there as they were having the prayer time, and I, and I began to pray, and, and the Lord began to speak to me, and, and he was sh showing me that there was this huge blanket that was covering the church. And that nobody in the community could see the church. It was like this spiritual, just spiritual covering that nobody would see. They, they'd walk by and they'd drive by and they just, it's like, I don't know. They don't see that church. And, the, and I heard the Lord say, I want to pull that blanket off of the church so people can begin to see it. And I gave that word to Ken and I said, I'm, you know, like I said, I had no thought about moving here. I was just delivering what God had told me. So in 2017, when Ken said, do you want to go for broke and come out here? I had already had this in my 
spirit. This seed had been dropped in me that I'm that we're supposed to, you know, that there was going to be something amazing happening here. And I remember so vividly in 2017, that January morning in Tucson, I woke up at 3:30 in the morning and I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, and He said, "I want you to go help Ken resurrect that church." And so in May, we ended up moving out here. And, uh, of course, like I said, our family was here, so it was really exciting. But we saw the vision, too. We saw a a vision of a brand-new church here in Lucas that would reach the community, make an impact for the kingdom of God. So on September 10th, after 19 months of no service, we launched on Sunday morning with almost 200 people. It was exciting. We thought, this is going to be easy. Place was packed for one week. <laughs> it was friends and family coming to support and said, We're heading back to our churches. No, we're not coming here. The next week, we saw a significant drop. We went back down to 50 or 60 people. That was deflating. It's like, okay, how are we going to do this? There were Sundays we had literally in this room of 330 seats, 30 people sitting in the auditorium. We had to go to the picture. We had seven kids in our children's ministry. Sarah and I have three of them, and then the, the children's pastor had two of them. <laughs> that was our children's ministry. We trudged along for that year in 2017, um, Ken and Jeannie and, and me and Sarah and several others, and things were just not at hel- healthy at times. We could feel things weren't growing. We couldn't get traction. Money was tight. The idea of me and Sarah being able to come on staff meant, once again, we were working for free. And so the idea of us coming on staff seemed a far off, far-fetched idea. In fact, we had spent all our savings that we had sold our house in Tucson and we had basically gone through it, all of it just on living sp- expenses. And we were looking at each other saying, Lord, is this why we came out here? I mean, this is, is this for this thing to fail? The church was out of, the church was not growing. They were out of money, and we, we were like, and we were out of money, and we were like, we need to figure out another plan here. So we were coming up on our one-year anniversary. Sarah and I were worried when everything began to shift. Uh, I'm not going to go into details about it all, but Ken and Jeannie uh, had to step down from being pastors after one year of starting the church. And in no doubt that was the stress of the construction, the finances, the hard conversations, the difficulty in getting a church off the ground had taken a toll. And I just want to say, just say I want to honor Ken and Jeannie for their passion for God, their obedience to come here and plow the ground. It's hard, hard. They're good friends, and I'm thankful, really am thankful for the time that they poured into us. And let me also say, most of, here, of us here maybe have never met them. But if you've received ministry or been impacted by this ministry in any capacity, it's because they laid the foundation of blood, sweat, and tears and sacrifice to make it happen. So we need to honor them and give them recognition today. Yeah. Thank you. But after all that happened, it was getting very difficult. Uh, I was just, me and Sarah were just worship leaders living in the house over there. We weren't paid or anything, and uh, the elders weren't sure what to do. In fact, they, they were saying, nothing seems to work here. We just can't, for the last 
15, 20 years, we just can't get anything off the ground. Maybe the best thing to do is to hand this over to a larger church and uh, have them just, you know, turn it into a, a video campus or something. And uh, many would say, no, I don't want that. Um, and that's part of the reason why it's been tough to celebrate a little bit, because that first year was so tumultuous, and it, and it, was, it was a reminder of some of the things that had happened and how tough it was, because there wasn't a lot to celebrate. It was tough. Finally, I stepped up to the guys, the elders, and I said, look, elders, man, there has been a church here for 115 years or 13 years at the time. I said, God wants a vibrant church in this community. We can't give up now. I said, maybe, maybe this is why Sarah and I were called to come here. Maybe this is for why we're, we were, came all this way for such a time as this. So just a few weeks before our one-year anniversary as a church, Sarah and I took over as interim pastors. And there's, there's us praying. Look at Nathan with his hoodie on. He's like, I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> six, weeks wait, six weeks later, uh, they asked us to be the pastors. And I, it was tough. And I'm um, just going to be vulnerable with you. We were in, in this new role. We had never pastored a church before. Uh, honestly, I had given maybe a dozen sermons in my life. <laughs> I was the music guy. And uh, everything was happening at once. Uh, I was learning a new skill of preaching and teaching. We were trying to keep this little church alive. How, we were trying to pay the bills, keep everyone from le leaving. Who wants to be on a sinking ship? Nobody. Meanwhile, in the background, I'm looking at Sarah and say, we're not prepared for this. I don't have a vision statement. I don't have a mission statement. I don't know what we're about. I was the cheerleader. We were just the cheerleader saying, Ken and Jeannie, you go for it. We're here to support you. And all of a sudden, people are coming to me saying, what's your stance on this? And what's your doctrine on this? And I'm going, uh, I mean, I know what I believe, but I, I didn't know how to defend it totally. I mean, you know, I went to Bible school, but uh, not. I wasn't ever thinking with this in mind. Do you guys are okay hearing this from your pastor, all right? <laughs> You're like, dude, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Sarah, she said, I never told you about some uh, post like weeks or two on Google right after where they were making fun of the immature pastor that, 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 that took over. And so I was like, okay, yeah, well, it's true. I, I was. We're getting better, though. We're getting better. It felt like an uphill battle. I was hearing friends of mine, meanwhile, a couple of friends who were starting churches all around this time, and they were talking about hundreds of people getting baptized and hundreds of people getting, getting saved and standing room only, and I'm looking around at this empty room going, Holy Spirit, help. <laughs> and I heard a quote. Somebody said something, and it was life-changing for me. You know, sometimes the Lord just gives you something when you need to hear it. And, th and they said, it's much easier to birth something than it is to resurrect it from the dead. And I went, oh, that's what's happening. Trying to resurrect this thing from the dead. But things began to shift. And so many important moments. I can't communicate them all. And I'll probably get a little emotional here. I always get emotional, but it's okay. But I'll share a few because I think these were pivotal moments. This isn't all about us. It, it's not all about us at all. And so there was a few pivotal moments that I felt really changed the trajectory of this church. First is when Diana joined the team. 
I didn't know anything about QuickBooks or running the, the, anything with the ministry. I, she came and she didn't know a, lot, know a lot either. And she said, I'll learn. But she had all this background in administration, administration and helping uh, uh, universities uh, with their staff and all this kind of stuff. And she came along, came with all this needed structure, administration help, uh, helping the finances. Every week she would send me an offering, and she still does, an offering update. Here's what the offering was on Sunday. And she would put, praise God. We're making it. It's tight, but we're paying the bills. Ministry's happening. And every week we're like, okay, we're going to make it this week. Another pivotal moment was, uh, I don't know if you were in here, but the moment, the morning we heard our first baby cry in this room. Yeah. I, I, was that SD? Was that Ben? We were thinking about it last night. We thought maybe it was Ben cry. We're not getting on to you. Well, that was a good moment. We were in we were in the service, and, and it, no no offense to anybody, um, but no offense to any of the more mature in here. But uh, we didn't really have any young families. Sarah and I were the youth group in our thirties. I mean, I'm not going to be sorry to be rude to anybody. And that morning, I remember hearing a baby cry, and I the whole room just stopped. It was a holy moment. You're like, just listen to that life. Life happening. Right on cue. Not a year after that, we uh, dedicated, what, seven little babies. And now we have more than we know what to do with. Praise God. <clears throat> Another significant moment in the beginning of the church was when the first visitor from LCA came and made their, their church, this their church home. That was Rick and Lucy Allen. I don't know where they're at, but um, let's give it up for Rick and Lucy. I know they wouldn't like to make this a big deal, but the school, LCA was birthed out of this church, but um, probably around that time... Um, just that relationship had gone cold. There wasn't one family from the school that went to this church. There was no family from this church that went to the school. We didn't even really talk to each other. God worked out this amazing relationship with me and Jasmine and, and just orchestrated all this amazing things. But, but it was Lucy. Rick and Lucy came. They saw the vision. They said, God's moving here. And I see with spiritual eyes. And I'm forever grateful that they saw with spiritual eyes because... Because once that happened, it opened the door for family after family after family after family from uh, Lucas Christian Academy to come. And it was really just God mending that relationship that needed to be. That, that's how it was. And it was, it was a good, strong relationship, and it needed to be strong again. And so I would just praise God for them. Praise God for them. Then in 2019, comes and goes, and this little church in 2020 gets hit by the train of COVID. We're barely making it. Come on, Lord. We can't do anymore. We're just barely. And all we have to shut everything down. And we're like, how are we going to do this? Is this the end of, the, of this whole thing? Oh, man. I, no pastor in America was prepared for that. But I felt like we made some important decisions as an elder team that we weren't going to be afraid. Yeah. We weren't going to be the social distance police or the mask police. That wasn't our role. 
that we felt church was essential to the life of this community. We chose to let people make their own decisions in regard to this, and I really believe it was a defining moment for our church because many families, family after family, began to come to the church during the middle of COVID saying, you're open? I'm just looking for a church that's open. And we say, we're open, come. And they, made, they wanted to be here. They made it this home. We had a significant day when we had our drive-in Easter service. You guys remember that if you were here? Oh, look at that. Where's... Go back to that one. Look at that. Look at that he's got on going on there. Sean, looking good, man. And that was a pivotal, pivotal moment. In 2020, we painted our building. In 2020, we built a pavilion. We poured concrete. Slowly but surely, what was happening on the inside, the life that was happening was spilling out into the outside. Look, that's what the church used to look like right there. See, we, we can go. We, we started painting it. Yeah. So much better. Yeah. <laughs> then all the rioting and the heated discussions on race were everywhere. And so many of us pastors going, I'm not equipped to talk about all these things. And I felt the Lord say, it's the gospel, it's the gospel, it's the gospel. It changes us. Christ breaks down barriers. We're not going to hitch our wagon to an organization, but to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that was significant. I really believe. And then November 2020, another moment, we felt the community really needs to be together. We, we started this thing. We had a couple hundred people at a block party. And in 2020, we felt the community needs to be together again. And we had over a thousand people show up to this little church and saying, oh, my goodness, it feels so good. I, I'm free. I'm hanging out talking to people again. I mean, do you remember those moments? Like when you finally went to your first restaurant, you finally just took off that thing and said, some of you said, I'm never putting that mask on. I, I, some never put it on. Oh, look at that. Look at, where's Dan? He's in the back. Look at that baby face right there, man. He's got that big old beard now. The church just began to grow. We would ask people, how did you find us? And they would say, we were just driving by the church and saw the sign and we felt we were to visit. And then I heard the remembered the pro prophecy that God was taking that blanket off so that the community could see us. There's so many things we can talk about from seven kids in the kids ministry to on a weekly basis, almost 80 kids every week from five or six students meeting to almost 60 students that meet every single Wednesday night for youth group to zero, practically zero dollars given to missions. And in the last four years, we've given almost over $400,000 to missions and benevolence. Close to 100 baptisms. Many more have made decisions for Christ. Many filled with the Spirit. Many growing in their faith. Many healed mentally, physically, emotionally. And we're just getting started. <laughs> So all this kind of made me think of a story. I was kind of thinking, where, where, where should we go with this? And it made me think of a story in the Old Testament in the book of Nehemiah. 
You see, Israel was a great nation at once. They, they were the largest in the world during King Solomon's time. Jerusalem was the epicenter. That's where the epicenter of commerce, that was the epicenter of worship. People would come from all over the place to make sacrifices at the temple. But because of their sin, God allowed the nation of Babylon to come in and destroy the temple and destroy the city walls, and, the, and it was a barren wasteland. In fact, Jeremiah describes how bad it got in Lamentations. And he says, Oh, oh, how empty the city once teeming with people. A widow, this city once in the front ranks of nations, once queen of the ball, she's now drudge in the kitchen. Zion's roads weep, empty of pilgrims headed to the feast. All her city gates are deserted, her priest in despair. Her virgins are sad, how bitter her fate. The beautiful city had been abandoned. Such rich history and magnificent times, now it's in ruins. You know, this church has a rich history too. In the 1930s, they used to have it. You can go read this on, I think it's on the Lucas website. In the 1930s, they used to have revival meetings out here. whole little community of Lucas would come out open air and have revival meetings. Out here in the 1990s, there was a significant ministry called Bethlehem House. We got a picture of that. They did this for 11 years. Thousands of people would come. They would literally turn this entire campus into like the streets of Bethlehem, and you would walk through. And pretty, pretty neat little ministry. And thousands of people would come every year to visit. But it had been 15 years since those streets. We're full of people, if you will, when it talks about the, when we're talking about the church. So for Israel, 70 years passed by after the demise of the nation. God stirs the heart of King Cyrus and calls them to rebuild Jerusalem. First, it started with Ezra, who started rebuilding the temple. Then many years later, Nehemiah comes to rebuild the walls. Nehemiah calls back many of the Jews back to Jerusalem because they were living in foreign lands. I was a ghost town. Nobody's living there. And he calls them back saying, it's time to rebuild. It's time to rebuild. Come on back. And they started with the walls first. They wouldn't start with the city first because that would be leave them open to intruders. So they started to rebuild the walls. And we focus a lot on Nehemiah. He was the catalyst. Leadership does matter. But I want to read a passage here in a second, that one that we skip over quite a bit. And I felt like we should read it because the resurrection of Jerusalem and the temple and the worship and sacrifices was way more than about Ezra and Nehemiah, the civil servant. It's about the countless people who said, I see the vision. It looks bleak. It looks tough. But I will do my part. I will build the wall. Right in front of me. I'm going to do my part. There's a lot of people that come to my mind when I think about rebuilding this city, this church here in Lucas. There were some who stayed in the city after it was went downhill and deserted. And then there were some that were first responders. And I just, I just want to give some shout outs. And I'm going to have a few people just come up and share real quick. So if you're prepared to share... Oh, I've talked to you. Uh, get ready. But James and Kimberly Knight 
um, have been here for, I think they said over almost 20 years, 2001, so 21 years. They couldn't make it today, but just talked about, they said, the Lord kept telling them, or every time they would say, Lord, I just want to leave, just let me leave. And God kept saying, no, I'm going to do something amazing here. Lord, I just want to go. No, I'm going to do something amazing here. And he said, now I'm finally seeing the thing that God had talked to me about. People like Marcus and Deborah Strike and Abigail Strike, they have spent countless evenings. Marcus, I mean, he's fixed every single thing that you could think of in this church over the years. I mean, we couldn't afford to pay anybody. Let's give it up for Marcus. I don't know if he's in here. And his wife, Deborah, I mean, they have done everything that you can think. Abigail, who's helped out with the youth and so, and just so thankful for this family. They were the ones who said, hey, I know it looks bleak, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on the wall there. Uh, I want to I call up Rich and Don Herman. They're our elders. Let's give it up for them. They have been faithful. When, I mean, faithful, faithful. It's, it's beyond faithful. And so thankful for them. Uh, so just anything that's got on you guys' heart you want to share about today. Yeah, Pastor Jeff, uh, he, he kind of set the stage. Um, one thing that I was, as I was thinking back that really was meaningful at the time is uh, as we were preparing to reopen, there was a, a prayer wall in the fireside room. And uh, over a period of time, people were encouraged just to put names of maybe somebody who was lost that just needed to be saved or... Uh, a family with gifts and talents to come alongside us to help or just just all kinds of different things over time and uh, God was so faithful to answer those prayers I know for a while there quite a while uh, Pastor Jeff and Sarah's name were on that wall as somebody to come alongside us to help and uh, again God was just so faithful I know as uh, things were tough it seemed like the verse that kept coming back to us that we would recall was Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And uh, again, when things look big, all of a sudden it's like, okay, a church would come along and 30 people would show up and help spruce up the outside, do some painting inside, service air conditioners, just things, again, that God was just so faithful just to provide o over time. So, I mean, it was neat just seeing everybody working very hard together. Um, you know, like Pastor Jeff said, I mean, there's a, a remnant there that I think uh, was convinced God still had big plans for this church, wasn't done with us. And uh, I remember walking by sometimes and uh, seeing Pastor Jeff in here when they had come, uh, up on uh, up on that lift in this sanctuary. I don't know how many hours he spent up there. And uh, poor guy, I think it was probably 80 or 85 degrees in here at the time because we were we were trying to save every penny on electricity and things like that. So we weren't using the sanctuary at the time. So most of the time the air conditioning was off. But for me, I still remember that opening day because again, you got to realize here's this small crowd and to do a church service all of a sudden, it was like just about everybody was serving in some capacity. So we were wondering if anybody even be in the sanctuary because you're either greeting, you're, you're wondering if there's going to be some kids in kids' ministry or whatever. But I remember as people started kind of just pouring in, and I know pastors and stuff, I think it called in every favor. You know, they had, like said, friends, relatives, anybody. But it was neat to see 
the church supporting us and encouraging us. Uh, and I just really remember being very emotional and teared up that day as I was greeting and I'm seeing people come in and just seeing all this new life, like in the foyer and whatnot. And I think God just, I was just so thankful that he just gave us a glimpse, especially for some of us who'd been here for a while, uh, of just what could be and just the, the life that could be here again. So, Well, to give credence to what you're saying about the covering over here, before um, we started uh, renovating and stuff, I remember I would be inviting people to church, and they were like, oh, where is that? And I was like, tell them where it was. They're like, oh, there's a church there? I mean, they didn't see us. And now I don't know how many of y'all I've talked to, and you've said, hey, the reason we're here, we were driving by, and we saw your church. And I was like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Um, you know, we did have that wall back there that we prayed over people to come here and bring their gifts and talents and their resources here. And I want to thank everybody that was obedient to God. When they called you and you and you, when they when God called you to come here, I thank you for listening to him and being obedient to him and coming here because that encouraged us to continue on and on and on. And I'm so glad for every single person that's here that's worshiping with us. We just love you guys. And um, we're so glad that God's called you here. And um, I just want to say the song this morning, Shout Because He Is Good. And that just made me weep. So shout because He is good. Amen. I think about Claudia. Oh my goodness. What a blessing, Claudia, you've been to this ministry. So much more than just hospitality. You've been a spiritual mother to so many. Come on, let's give it up for Claudia. Norm and Terry couldn't make it this morning. They were, they were in, uh, they're in Colorado, but they sent a video. I, I want us to watch that video real quick. I wanted to share with you a word and a vision that the Lord gave me years ago when I began to attend what was then Faith Fellowship Church. And the first Sunday that we were there, I stood in the middle section, maybe about three rows back, and we were worshiping the Lord. And the band was playing. And where you see the cross hanging now, there was no metal cross there. It used to be a clear set of brick, uh, you know, the uh, um, glass bricks that made the cross. And so the sun would shine through it. And you could see the cross outline. And so I closed my eyes and I could see the cross in my, in my eyes. You know, how you see it when... When the bright sun shines and you can see, once you close your eyes, that's what it was like. And the Lord began to reveal something to me. He spoke to my heart. And he said, Norm, something is going to happen at this church that is going to blow your mind. It's going to be just phenomenal. Something that you've never seen before something that is unlike any church that you've ever been in. God is doing a miracle here. And, he, you know, he never revealed to me how long it would take. He didn't reveal to me what that ministry would look like. 
But he did reveal to me that it was going to be amazing and majestic and wonderful and life-changing. And so with that in my heart, Terry and I decided to become members of the church, and we started to attend. Well, after a while, the church started to decline. And then the pastor at the time, Pastor Luke Crane, decided that he was going to resign and move on. And when he did that, I I looked in my heart and I said, I have to stay here because God is doing something special at this church. But the evidence didn't show it. In fact, the church was still in decline. So for a while, I preached the gospel there as the associate pastor. And then shortly thereafter, we hired Ken Morris as pastor. And so while Ken Morris was pastor, the church continued to decline. And eventually we got to a point where we had maybe 25 people. And so we began having services in the fireside room so that we could do some work in the, in the sanctuary. We held services for several weeks and um, decided that we needed to close the church. We needed to close the church so that we could um, rebrand the church, reincorporate it as a, as a new church. And we rewrote the bylaws. Now, during this time, we also had some dissension in the church. It was a difficult time. And we saw the congregation go down to maybe 15 faithful people. But we held in there. I held in there because of the vision that God gave me. I believe what God gave me is happening now. And we have not even seen the tip of this iceberg. as time went on, a problem developed with Ken and his wife, and they had to leave the church. And so the Lord put it on our hearts, the elders, that would be uh, Rich Herman and myself, to ask Jeff to be the interim pastor. And he graciously agreed. God began to move in the church, and we saw amazing things start to happen. We saw growth we saw a wonderful lead of the Spirit of God moving in the congregation. And the love of God was just growing richer and richer until you see what it is today. But I tell you that what it is today is only the tip of the iceberg. It's just the beginning of what God wants to do. So I just want to encourage you, church, hang in there because God is doing something miraculous here and you're a part of it. God needs every one of you and loves every one of you. And I love you, and God bless you, and have a wonderful rest of the service. Amen. I also want to highlight, um, and Norman Terry, they're, they're our elders, and I also want to highlight Fred and Linda Lindstrom. Where are you guys at? Come on, let's, come on up. They've been faithful as elders, helping with kids, helping with missions, helping with tons of stuff that I don't even know about. So, <laughs> but they're, they're going to share just a f- few moments. These are my notes. <laughs> <laughs>
Did I did I turn it off? I turned it off. Okay. I don't do well with microphones. Much has been, uh, we didn't compare notes before we uh, did this, so I, a lot of what I was going to say has already been said by somebody, but uh, the years of uh, resident, I mean, before Resonate Life Church, Lucas Christian Church, and Faith Fellowship, there were some fabulous years there. Our, Linda and I came on Easter 2001, and uh, we had been without a church for a while, and the service just pretty much blew us away. We we decided we were going to come back. And somebody in the church <clears throat> remembered our name the second Sunday, and that was that was so encouraging. But during those periods, uh, we had some great things. The Bethlehem Marketplace that Pastor talked about, LCA starting right back there, and um, New Hope being formed, that was before us. But uh, there was also some really tough times, some really, really, really tough times. But God was good to us. He brought us through all those times. Um, throughout those, those years, there were many times when somebody would say, uh, don't give up. Uh, finances look bad. We don't have too much of the spirit here, it looks like. But things are going to get better. Things are going to prosper. And um, one of those things I want to I highlight, um, I, I have trouble with these things. Um, <clears throat> In 2012, and this is my diary, I've been keeping a journal or a diary for 30 years. So anyway, on July, uh, April in 2012, we were contacted by a man by the name of Michael Stevens. And he turned out to be, he was a pastor, a visiting seminary pastor. He went to seminary, and for the years 1972 to 1975, he came most Sundays and preached for our church. And so he wanted to meet with us. So I'm going to read uh, a little excerpt from my, my diary. <clears throat> okay. I won't bore you with all the rest of the stuff that happened that day, but <laughs> uh, then at 1130, um, we had a special elders meeting at church. We met with Michael and Sarah Stevens former pastors of Lucas Christian Church in 1972 to 1975. They were seminary pastors. We met in the parsonage with uh, Pastor Luke Crane and Jennifer, his wife, uh, Norm Burt and myself, I, and uh, Dale Spurgeon, who was a former elder. Um, Pastor Michael felt led by the Lord to make us a presentation, and it was a very strange presentation. He gave us a old rusty hinge, and there had been a school on the property many years before, and it had burned down. And he was walking through the, the ruins and found this old rusty hinge. And to him, that was the past, and we were going into a new day. And he said, God's going to bless this church. God's going to do a great thing here. At the time, it didn't look like it, but he did. And so... Fast forward to uh, the new church, 2020, 2017, when we became Resonate Life Church. Uh, that year was full of full of um, great uh, amount of uh, decisions. And um, well, let me go back to 2018 when Pastor Jeff became our pastor. That that summer was a, a stressful summer, but Jeff and Sarah had been here about a, over a year, and so. It was pretty obvious that we ought to call this man to be our pastor, 
But it wasn't that easy. We, we, we had to do due diligence. We had to pray about it and make sure that he was God's man. And we went to his former churches, called the ones that we couldn't get to, talked to a lot of people, and God laid it on our hearts uh, to call him. And uh, I remember our formal interview. We had to have a formal interview to call Pastor Jeff and Sarah. And so uh, we did that, and he accepted. And the, one of the first things he said was, we want to make missionary work our priority and supporting missionaries. And I think that was a key moment because any church that supports missions and uh, does it with their whole heart and gives is going to be blessed. And I think that's one reason we have really, really been blessed. Later, we began, began to tithe uh, 10% of our income. We began to give to Israel on a regular basis every every month. We, that's the first thing we do is give to Israel, it, to Israel Ministries. And so God has blessed us. So now here we are in uh, September of 2022, and the challenge is to keep it going. Yeah. We've got a great pastor. We've got a great staff. Uh, we have wonderful workers in our church. Uh, pastor, pastor Diana just does a great job in our office. But we've got to keep it going, and how do we do that? We do that by personal dedication, by every person in this church having a personal revival. That yeah. means being in the Word of God every day. It means serving. It means coming to church on a regular basis, being a missionary, uh, winning the lost, being a disciple. So that's what we've got to do. So can we do that? Amen. Amen. I would just like to say one thing. Last week, we went to a different church because we had a grandson home from Germany, um, his tank division. So we were so thankful, and we went to church with him. All you have to do, people, is visit around a little bit, not often, but occasionally, <laughs> to realize what we have here. We have the Spirit of God here. And he was not in the church where we visited. And the difference was like life and death, light and day. We have a wonderful, wonderful presence of God here. I'm so thankful for it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.